Welcome to Health and Wellness University, the podcast focused on helping you reach optimal levels of health and wellness. And now, here's your host, Fernando Flores. Looking up, there's always sky. Rest your head, I'll take you high. We won't fade into darkness. All right, welcome, 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 everyone, to another episode of the Health and Wellness University podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, I am really excited to bring you our next guest, John Broman. John, how are you? Hey, man. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good today. Awesome. Awesome. I am really excited because uh, John is someone who I met a few years back, and he provided me with a lot of guidance. And actually, you know, I'll rephrase that. It was one call, one powerful call on, you know, how to become a more powerful speaker. And this was a couple of years ago, actually, in the beginning of 2018, John, wow. And it was um, such a powerful call that I, I feel just really changed the trajectory of my, my speaking abilities. And I don't know if you remember that call, but I remember that call very well, John. I do, uh, yeah. And it was so powerful just to have you guide instead. But today, I want to give folks a little bit uh, of a deeper sense of what it is that you do. And John Broman, he's a husband and a father of two amazing boys. And when he's not doing that, he helps people make moments matter. So he inspires others to live life in the front row by teaching what he refers to as the art of moment making. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. He's an award-winning speaker, number one best-selling author of The Front Row Factor, uh, podcast host, and also the founder of the Front Row Foundation, a charity creating front row experiences for individuals who are facing life-threatening illnesses. I love one of the quotes that, that John has on his website um, called Howard, by Howard Thurman. And it's, it basically says, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who've come alive. And John, it's just such an honor to have you on Health and Wellness University. And I'm excited about just uh, getting into some great conversations today. Yeah, man, I'm excited too. It's been a while. So uh, it's, it's always a good opportunity to get caught up, talk about what's recent and relevant in our lives and maybe how things have shifted over the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. And so, John, just uh, give, give listeners a very, uh, you know, a bit more background as to why you know why you decided to um, start and found like the, the the front row and what does it mean to teach the art of moment making? What, yeah. what what do you refer to by that, John? Yeah, well, this is always the challenge. So I'm I'm going to look at the clock right now and I'm going to see how fast can I connect all the dots in a way that people can follow, <laughs> right? Like how fast can I do this? And uh, all right, so here we go. You know, I think I think what's relevant to the story is that you know, for a lot of us, we start to see strengths, natural strengths in our lives begin to emerge as kids, and sometimes we don't notice that until we're maybe later on in life, and we're like, oh, that came really natural to me. I didn't I didn't know that was going to have such an impact on my world as an adult. But for me, it was being somebody who would now I refer to it as being a moment maker. When I was a kid, like I'll give an example of that. 
uh, you know, I, I remember being 10 years old, my parents coming downstairs in the morning, but I, have, I had already picked up the entire house, like cleaned the house, made breakfast, made menus. Like I wanted to create a wow experience for my, for my parents. I wanted them to say like, oh, Jonathan, you're such a great kid. Like we love you so much. Like I was craving that impact, you know? Mm. Now what happened was I tried different jobs throughout my life, but in my mid twenties, I found my way into a job that I felt like I had fallen into the perfect position for me. And it, the position title was a sales promotion manager, but here's what it really was. My job was to create uh, wow experiences for people professionally. So I worked for a company that wanted to incentivize their sales force and I was in charge of creating the contests that people would then shoot for and ultimately win. So I would design the contest and then I would like take them on trips all over the world. I took 400 people to Italy and 350 people to Buenos Aires and you know I did all these like really cool trips. And I knew that was like I was on to something because I, I loved creating wow experiences. And what ultimately ended up happening was I ended up thinking about how I could use this in a charitable sense. You know, this was my, this was a profitable endeavor for me. It was my job. That's what I got paid to do. But I thought, I wonder if I could take some of the skills I've learned in my work and do something nice for people, you know, that, that don't have to, re, don't have to pay me, don't, that, that may never know my name, you know, just that type of giving for the sake of giving. So when I was 30, I started Front Row Foundation. And that's a whole story about how it all got started. But Front Row Foundation began because I just wanted to do some good work. And I think that when we ask ourselves, what moves us, what motivates us, where are our strengths, right? What skills do we have? What matters to us? Then ultimately those questions led me to the Front Row Foundation, which helps kids and adults who have a life-threatening illness get a front row experience at the event of their dreams. And that was 15, we're in our 15th year now, which is pretty exciting. And um, then what happened was that we, we then, I, I then turned that into an opportunity to say, hey, what could I do professionally that would make serving the charity even greater? Like, how could I, har how could I create harmony in my life so that all actions were rowing in the same direction? And I was like, what if I became a speaker and I spoke about living life in the front row? What if I could teach people everything you could learn about living life from people who are fighting for it? What if I could go out and stand on stages and get paid to give a speech and talk about the charity, right? How cool would that be? That's like <laughs> ultimate harmony. Well, that's what I did in 2008 was I, I made a transition away from corporate America into a entrepreneurial position. And since then it's just kept evolving. And I kept asking myself, what's important to me? What, 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 where do I want to focus my attention? And ultimately where that landed me today is front row dads. So as a father, having a 10 year old and a five year old, I said, how can I take the same principles that apply around being a moment maker, which is really this, Fernando, it's, it's really about making the most of our time. It's saying there's the things that happen to us in our lives, but then there's what we do with those things. And if we can identify, if we create the identity of being a moment maker, that means we're not victims of our moments. We shape them. So we're either shaping what we create in the experience or the meaning that we give to that experience. And that's what moment making is really all about. Somebody that has an identity that says, I'll either, I'll either make the meaning behind it or I'll make the moment. Um, either of those are possibilities. And so as a dad, you know, think about the fact that you have only so many, you know, your kids grow up so fast, right? You only have so much time with them. Uh, somebody recently wrote that, he did some calculations and figured out he had spent 93% of the time that he'd ever spent with his parents before he left the house when he was 18. 
In other words, in their whole lives, he would have spent 93% of the time he'd ever would have spent with his parents before the age of 18, which is not the case for all people in all cultures, but in this particular case, it was. And um, it really gets me thinking about, you know, where do I invest my time? So connecting all the dots, now I'm living in Austin with my family, still running the charity, which is doing great, and running Front Row Dads full time. And, and ultimately figuring out how to be for myself and how to teach other people how to make the most of their time while, while we have the opportunity to do so. Oh, that's beautiful. That was five minutes. That's the best I could do, man. You know, <laughs> that was a five minute rant, but I can't connect 44 <laughs> years of, of story in, in a shorter period of time. Wow. You, uh, you uh, hit uh, a new record, John. <laughs> <laughs> Next um, time I'm shooting for three minutes. <laughs> you know, you, know you, you definitely provided a lot there, and I feel just the, the questions that you bring up in terms of what moves us, what motivates us, what matters to us, you know, and, and really thinking about what kind of moments you want to create for yourself and with those that you love. I mean, that's, that's just so powerful. And you do it in the context of yeah, Front Row Dads and the Front Row Foundation. Um, what would you say is uh you know someone that just wants to do that on a day-to-day basis for themselves you know maybe uh because i'm thinking about somebody that i just spoke to recently who was a grandmother and uh they were sharing how it wasn't until they started spending a lot of time with their grandchildren that they realized they didn't want to be doing the work they were doing anymore because they were finally living in the moment with their grandkids they were finally for the first time in their lives making moments that matter to them yeah you know and you just made me think about that story but you know what what are what are some things that you you like to share with folks so that they can have that experience as well john well i think one one of them is to to begin it's an identity shift Right. How we see ourselves drives so much of our behavior. It de- determines what we notice every day. So first is to decide, are you going to be somebody that is you know, a, a moment maker? For let, Let's just use that term, right? If, if you're going to be that person, then you might start naturally asking the questions, well, how does a moment maker show up? Um, what, how would I need to set my intentions every day in order to be somebody that catches the moment? How would I be somebody at the end of each day that celebrates the moments? So when I started thinking about how, let, let's talk about practically how that looks, right? Cause it's, it's only so much to talk in theory about being a moment maker, but in practicality would be, I'll give you an example. I'm at a wedding. Okay. And we're sitting around the table with just the, the bride and the groom the night before the wedding and the family's all there. And if the question, if your identity is I'm a moment maker and you've decided that you're somebody that wants to create moments that matter, then as I'm sitting at the table, I think what would be a moment that I could help create that would make a difference for this bride and this groom, right? How can I make this day, this moment special for them? And I remember this is a true story because I I said, you know what, if I can, I said, I just want to propose a question to the table. I had just said, why don't we all go around and talk about what we love about Stephen and Katie? And for the next 30 minutes, people are crying and pouring their hearts out and the best stories are emerging. And what what happens in those moments is that, you know, unless we ask the new question, whether that's to ourselves or to others, 
we don't have an opportunity to, to change what happens, right? Uh, another practical example is, you know, we, we, we started creating these front row experiences for people through the charity. Mm -hmm. One of the natural questions is, how are we gonna get tickets when somebody wants to go see NASCAR, they wanna, you know, sit front row and then go behind the scenes and the pit and all that stuff, like how does that happen? Well, this applies to all areas of life, right? One of the ways is you just ask. I remember that early on, this was maybe going back 10 years ago, we had, uh, I had been notified about this little boy, Jaden, who was fighting for his life. And all I did was I made a simple two-line post on Facebook. It said, you know, nine-year-old Jaden fighting for his life wants to go see NASCAR. Does anyone have connections? Mm. Well, my buddy in New Zealand, who was going to grad school, saw the post. And he made a post or like sent it to a NASCAR blogger somebody that was like a, a pretty popular NASCAR blogger and that NASCAR blogger put it on his, on his blog. And then one of the presidents or vice presidents of one of the companies that sponsors NASCAR saw the blog and within 24 hours reached out to me and said, we're going to make this happen for this young boy. Like wow. we're, we're overnighting you passes to go to this NASCAR event. Wow. But so much of making moments happen in our lives for our families and for our loved ones is about being willing to ask the question, mm -hmm. right? Not only to ourselves, what can I do, but be willing to ask other people to participate. And, and the most relevant and recent example um, that I can give would be like thinking about the Australian wildfires that are happening. And I don't know when this show will come out or how quickly, but as we talk about this, you know, Australia is burning. Right? 12, yeah. what I read in the New York Times was 12 million acres have burned, yeah. 480 million animals have died, 24 yeah. plus people uh, have died, and it's just devastating. It's like, it's catastrophic, you know, on every level. And so the question that comes up is, uh, how can I make a moment from, a, from afar? How can I help? Um, and, and how do I make this moment matter? The moment where Australia is burning, right? Like what can be done? And obviously, you know, some of that is just, hey, say a prayer for Australia. And if that's all that could be done, then thank you to everybody who, who prays, right? Yeah. If you have the financial means to send some money, then great. That's a way to be a moment maker. We have people that donate to our charity and there's lots of great charities out there, organizations that you can believe in, that you can vote with your dollars. Um, and then it's what else, you know, sometimes I'm, I feel like I'm a moment maker at home with my kids by just being courageous enough to bring up conversations. So mm -hmm. last night at dinner, we brought up the conversation like kids, here's what's happening in Australia. What can we do as a Roman family, you know, from so far away? Like, of course, we'll send some money. Of course, we'll say a prayer. What else could be done? You know, let's yeah. live in that space of possibility. So anyway, those are some practical examples that could show up in all different areas of our lives. Well, thanks for sharing that, John. And, and, you know, you provided some, some very, very uh, just kind of practical thoughts in terms of how we can be a more empowered moment maker in our own lives and those of others. And I want to ask you, out of all the different moments that you have created in your life, John, which one comes up to you as being the most special uh, for myself or for others or in the charity or does it any of those the question is wide open brother yeah yeah <laughs> gosh you know it's so it's always so tough to pick a favorite of like moments that you create um 
because like I have a favorite moment in Front Row Foundation, which really kind of cemented my my cemented my commitment to the cause was meeting this little girl Sophie years and years ago, and Sophie was uh, four years old at the time, and we took her to go see Kelly Clarkson, and she got a, a meet and greet thanks to again just you know asking people for help. My buddy John Rulin, who wrote a book called Giftology had a connection and, and got us backstage with uh, Kelly Clarkson. And then, um, you know, it was just such a great night for Sophie and her family. Uh, the tragic part of the story is that eight weeks after that event took place, Sophie mm. took her last breath. Mm. And we were obviously crushed by the news. Um, yeah. And, you know, cause you get, to, you really get, you fall in love with the people that you get to know and you know their stories and um, and then uh, to hear that she had lost her fight it's hard to wrap your brain around that yeah my my good friend John Berghoff was actually the host of that event with his wife Mara and he told me that um, they were gonna go to their the funeral for Sophie wow. and when he came back he said John he said uh, we walked up to the casket where Sophie was laying and her mother, Lauren, had put Sophie's VIP Kelly Clarkson badge around her neck. Oh, wow. And wow. when I heard that, it really amplified the importance of showing up for people in critical times of their life. And actually, as we record this show, um, one of my friends uh, lost their father, right? Mm. And um, the funeral's tomorrow. And one of my buddies, I was texting with him today and he's like, I'm really wrestling with whether or not I should go to the funeral. Mm. And he said, are you going? And I said, yeah, I'm going to go. And he said, okay, then I'm going. Mm. And uh, why I decided to go, because it's tough, right? I had to reschedule a bunch of stuff and it's tough. It would just been easier to say, hey, is she really going to know that I'm not there? Mm -hmm. Or like, there's lots of people. And I'll never forget my dad saying to me all through my life, he goes, it's really important that you show up for people at critical mm -hmm. times in life. And whether that person sees you or not, or whatever it is, like that's a critical time in life and you got to show up. Like yeah. you just have to show up. So I think my dad for that lesson, man. And, um, you know, I think about, uh, there's so many moments in life that stand out, but this one of helping Sophie and, mm -hmm. and even thinking about the fact that like I'm 44, and Sophie took her last breath, you know, around age four. I've had oh. four, I've had 40 additional years than what Sophie was, was given. And when I think about that, I think about how grateful I need to be. Yeah. Cause sometimes I get into the business of comparing myself to others and feeling like I should be so much further along and, you know, look at this person, they did so much more with their life, you know, versus just uh, trying to be grateful for, the time I've been given and then ask, what can I do with what I still have? Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to thank you, John, and honor the share that you just gave because um, that story about Sophie is just incredibly powerful. It's, you know, it, it's, it's really sad as well. Um, but I, I allow, I allow all sorts of emotions to be expressed in health and wellness university because that's what it's about. A lot of times we fear going to certain places and you opening up this story, I know will touch a lot of folks hearts and they'd help them understand 
more clearly what it is that you do and how you serve others. Because at the end of the day, you've made a commitment to serve others. And I'm happy that at least in some way I can help amplify that work, that very important work that you're doing, John. And so just thank you for sharing that story, brother. Yeah. Well, I, I firmly believe that part of wellness is, uh, is, is feeling all the thoughts and feelings all the way through, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that uh, it, it's not about stuffing them down or never addressing them and that everything's always positive and everything's great. You know, uh, I believe part of like living, uh, you know, a lifestyle of total wellness is recognizing the tragedies that exist, yeah. not living in those spaces permanently either, but certainly acknowledging them and feeling them. And I have a question for you in that regard, John, that focuses on you, on your health and your wellness. You know, you are in a space where you serve others um, who leave us prematurely. I'll put it that way. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 they're so young. And how do you work on managing, you know, the, that, that pain that you, that you feel for our grief or and grief from the loss that yeah. you see. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, one is that, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I've got it figured out, but I think that giving myself permission to feel whatever feelings I have is okay. And also giving my, myself permission to not feel so deeply if it doesn't feel natural to do so. In other words, sometimes I would criticize myself because I'm like, you should be way more upset than you are right now, John, what's mm-hmm. wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that sometimes it's uh, it, it's not crushing to my heart. It's I just recognize I go, hey, it's I mean, obviously it's sad. Um, but I, I'm sometimes I'm in a place where I just I understand the cycle of life. You know, every I, it hit me uh, when I started this thing, it was help people with a life threatening illness. And then I realized I go, we all have uh, a life threatening illness. It's called the human body. It's like <laughs> nobody, nobody makes it out alive if you will right it's yeah. um, it's it's where this is going to end for every single person that's a difficult thought for me like yeah. to think of myself at the at the true end like it's almost like something you can talk about now but you're like ah but i have i have another 50 years to really you know that's that's something i can say because it's nice to say now but i've got another 50 years and you go not necessarily yeah. so um you know trying to live in a space of just uh you know what i try to do is i try to feel feelings all the way through i try to see all sides of it my friend betsy crouch used to say if you play the what if game play it fair so if you're like mm-hmm. well what if this goes wrong and what if this uh then play it fair what if this goes right what if this happens i, I try to see things from all sides i try to know that with every death there's a birth i try to know that there is all things happening at one time around the globe. Good, good and challenging. So that helps me stay in a place of um, equanimity, maybe is Mm. the term, you know, and, and, uh, but I'll dip, I'll have really high highs and some really low lows. But I just try to remember that all that is present, and that I don't have to feel or experience all of it at one time. Like I can just feel what comes up. And then be with that until it's gone. I remember my meditation coach, Juliana, saying when I was doing a marathon one time, she said, if you have pain, just you can even focus in on the pain and just be like, there's the pain. There it is. Like, I'm not going to try to avoid it. I'm just going to actually move towards the pain. And then it 
it's almost like to completion. And that's a really good place to be. Uh, thanks for sharing that, John. And I, you know, I feel um, just even talking about you uh, also as a man, allowing yourself to feel and process the emotions that come up is also a really important point because a lot of times I know that for me, for many years, even into adulthood, I didn't give myself permission to do that. And I would do what you mentioned. I would suppress it with alcohol and not allow myself to feel because I didn't have that skill. I didn't have that ability. And I learned to develop, you know, that, that deep sense of self-awareness of all that undercurrent of emotions that comes up every day, every moment, even right now, right? We are comfortable or we're, we're, we're cold, you know, that there's, there's, things that we feel that that cause us to feel certain emotions and when we're not aware of it we don't fully understand ourselves and so yeah. i just appreciate you you sharing your journey with that well dude it's a, you know a lot of it it's sometimes it felt like self-preservation to to numb things and yeah. i understand that very much like i and I, we could talk alcohol if you want because well i gave up alcohol a year a little over a year ago and it was the best decision that i've made for my life in the last decade uh, and I, I was drinking definitely to numb things. Nobody else would have looked at my life and said, John has a drinking problem or whatever. Um, my wife probably would have told you I drank too much, but <laughs> I was just really like, I'd have a beer after work and then a glass of wine for dinner and then maybe a cognac sitting on the couch at night. And I, but this has been a pattern since I was 16 of using alcohol to cope when you, you know, when you're like, it's been a long day, I need that glass of wine like that, that, uh, that really spiraled for me into something that was really unhealthy. My friend Chris Davidson had a quote years and years ago. He said, I wanted to, he just said it randomly to me when he was talking about alcohol in his life. He said, I want to move from the process of numbing to the process of becoming, mm -hmm. you know? And like, I, I, I love that so much because yep. it wasn't until I stopped the numbing that I actually could make progress in my life. We numb ourselves with Netflix. We numb ourselves with alcohol. We numb ourselves with social media. We numb ourselves with tons of different distractions. Um, and one of the things I think we need to get better at is like just being with our own agony if that's what we feel in the moment or whatever, whatever feeling comes up, like just be with it. It's yeah. not, you know, and just reminding yourself that that will not kill you. <laughs> you know, it's so awesome to hear the journey that you're on because I actually, you know, you've heard of, of Cinco de Mayo, right? Yeah. I, that was the date in 2019 that I stopped drinking. Oh, wow. So cool. I'm going, I'm going on a year. Good for you, uh, like man. Just nothing at all after. Yeah. You know, like my journey started around 18, 19. Uh, with alcohol, you know, trying it out. And then when I went to law school, it just got heavier. And then in the profession yeah. as well, like the stressors, not having the ability to manage them effectively, um, you know, you go to it and it seems easy. Oh, go to a happy hour. Sure. You know, two, three, four, five, six drinks later. And um, I agree with you. It has been for me, at least a game changer. And, you know, I feel like a year, year and a half before that, I was, I had already started uh, diminishing it because there were other habits that I had built around exercise that were not coinciding anymore. Mm. Right. But I just decided to, to let it go completely. And I was like, it's time, you know, good for you, man. and good, great for you as well, John. It's uh, it's, it's great to hear. And, um, you know, if anyone listening needs any support around that, I will put myself out there to, 
help you think it through and what does that look like and what are the challenges that come up in relation to that because that is also part of you know your your health and your wellness right it, it impacts now they you know yeah. I've, seen, I've seen studies and i've done episodes on it where it, you know alcohol stays in your brain for up to three days thereafter and it affects your thought process and your body mm-hmm. for like almost a week <laughs> you know and sometimes I wouldn't let my, you think, oh, I'm just going to drink once a week, but you're not really letting your mind and body rest at all from yeah. the impacts of it. So, um, there's a, there's a great resource also for, uh, that a number of guys in my front row dads group have gotten a lot of value from. It's called the 30 day sobriety solution awesome. by Dan Andrews and Jack Canfield. That book I think is excellent. And the truth is, and it says it's not, the book's not for raging alcoholics per se. It's for people that want to reconsider alcohol in their lives and how much. And you might not even have to give up alcohol completely, but you might want to adjust your approach to it. Um, the book is excellent. It's 30 days, 30 exercises, and it's just ultimately getting you to take a look at the inventory of your life, say, what do you value and are your actions in alignment with your values? Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, John. Um, I have one more question for you. And... In the work that you've done, John, what do you feel is one of the more powerful lessons that you have learned from those who are facing life-threatening illnesses? Yeah, let me breathe into that for a second. I always want to see if I can give the answer that's most relevant. You know, the the one that's the, the shouting voice in my head is the one that I think most people would anticipate that I would give, which is that to, to learn to appreciate your time. Mm. Right. Um, and, but what I, what I want to do is I want to evolve that a little bit and say, I think it's not time that they want. Um, it's time with loved ones. Mm. Like, I think what we don't want is just more time. We want, we want, the almost insatiable right love that we feel when we are around people that matter to us when we get to see them living out their lives when we see our kids or our grandkids or our friends when we when we feel like we're there for people you know you hear somebody who might be facing the end of their life and that the agony that a dad would face about him not being there for his kids to be able to answer their questions or see their games, right? Um, I think about somebody who just wants more healthy time with people they love. Because um, mm. it's not just about number of years also, it's about the quality of those years. My grandmother just passed and she was 101 years old. And I can wow. tell you that towards the end of her life, she did not want to be living. And we didn't want her to be living any longer in her current state. Wow. You know, she had lost her hearing. She lost her eyesight. She lost her ability to be you know, totally mobile. So if you can imagine like this, you know, for you and I, um, your spirits, st- you're 101, but your spirits there, right? Like you're, yeah. you're, you yeah. remember like you, my grandmother traveled the world. She's, you know, she wasn't, she didn't lose her ability to be conscious, mm-hmm. um, but when her she loved to read and her eyesight went, she loved to talk to people and her hearing went, and she loved to be you know moving around independent until she was in her 90s, like living in her own apartment. Um, but towards the end, you know, you just recognize that like, you know, this was the right time for her to 
to move on, to transition, right? To another, whatever her next phase is. But what I can say is that what I've learned is that what we want is quality time with people we love. And that's what we want more of. So in that spirit, then the natural question is, how do you, if you subscribe to that, right, is maybe something we should consider often is just how do I get more quality time with people I love? Yeah. That, that being for me, one of the measures of true success in life. Yeah. I think, I think we can accomplish a lot of things in our lifetime, but you know, if we, if we don't spend as much of our time in quality time with those we love, I I think you're right on John. I think, um, then we didn't do everything we could have, you know? Um, so yeah, I appreciate that answer. It's powerful. (laughs) So if folks wanted to reach out John or they wanted to learn more about you, where do they go? I mean, this is now your time to just tell us uh, everything uh, about where you can be found. I have a list of 32 places. You can connect with me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Probably the easiest thing is just one place to find everything is frontrowfactor.com. That can get you to the charity and to uh, the book or the front row dads group, all those things you can find at frontrowfactor.com. Wonderful. And I'll make sure I include it in the show notes as well. Um, cool. John, thank you so much. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And, and if I can, I, I just want to say thanks to you for the, for the great work that you're doing. I remember talking to you in the beginning and thinking, God, I wish all attorneys had the heart and soul that this guy does. <laughs> it would be a world would be a better place. Um, but the truth is I just wish everybody had your heart and soul um, because oh. I think you're, uh, you're just a kind, you're a kind, smart, hardworking person who's going after important work, right? Um, things that need to be done for the world and you're courageously charging after it. And so I just want to acknowledge you for that and say, thanks for letting me be part of the journey and, um, and anybody out there listening, thanks for, you know, tuning in and, uh, let's just keep rowing in the same, you know, healthy direction. Right. Yeah, brother. That's, that's what, you know, that's what this is about. And I, I appreciate the love and sending you a lot of love right back, John. And, uh, you have definitely, uh, impacted my life in a very powerful way, even through a small interaction. Um, and I, you know, mentioned at the beginning of the episode, but I'm telling you, it, it had a, it had a very powerful impact and, and we'll be in touch. We'll Thanks, be in touch, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for the time. All right. Take care. All right, everyone. This is Fernando signing off from the health and wellness university podcast. Take care and catch you at the next episode. Bye John. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of health and wellness university. Make sure you follow health and wellness university on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn for additional empowering content. Just search for Health and Wellness University and it will come right up. Also, don't hesitate to reach out to healthandwellnessuniversity at gmail.com should you wish to attend or be a speaker at our annual San Francisco Health and Wellness Conference. If you are looking for accountability in the context of your health and wellness, please accept this invitation to join the Self-Empower Hour, which is a powerful accountability group. For more details, just shoot an email over to healthandwellnessuniversity at gmail.com. Take care and as always, wishing you great health and wellness.